Good morning, one and all. Uh, thanks for joining us on this Tailoring It podcast number five. Now the dust has settled. At the beginning of 2010, I seriously started networking both face-to-face and online, and that was as a result of me attending Learning Technologies 2010 conference. Most of these workshops and seminars and conferences and virtual classrooms that I attended, I then proceeded to blog about in some detail. However, just before I attended the IITT conference in September of 2010, I actually went back and I looked at all my blog posts and read them through and I actually came to realise that the blog posts themselves were quite detailed, but I'd not actually done anything with the information that was contained within them. I'd not brought that information back and actually implemented it back into the workplace. So what I decided I'd do at that point is for every conference, webinar, seminar, workshop that I attended, I would just concentrate on taking one, two, maybe three key action planning points from each speaker, something that I could really get a hold of and do something with and then blog about, put that into my blog and bring that back into the workplace. And that's exactly what I've been doing since September. It's exactly what I did after I attended Learning Technologies 2011. And then my nosiness started to get the better of me. And I thought, well, I know what I'm planning to do with this information, but I'm just curious about what other people have taken away from from the the fantastic conversations and, and interaction that took place over those two days. What are people doing with that information? What are people doing with that newly acquired skill or that newly acquired knowledge? So... It set me about going out onto Twitter, asking people what they were planning to do with it. And without further ado, that's what today's podcast is all about. So let's meet our panel. I'm joined today by Laura Overton. Hi. Hi, Laura. Don Taylor. Yes, I'm here. Um, I heard a cry in the background, though, but I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> uh, joined here as well by Christy Fedora. Hello, Christy. Hello, everyone. Good morning, Kate. Hello. Hi, Kate. And last but certainly not least... Hello, Lillian. Hello, good morning. Hi, Lillian, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. We're not joined, um, as I'd anticipated, by Karen Ramayas, um, but if Karen joins us at some point during this podcast via Skype, then I'll bring her in at a suitable point in the uh, in the conference call and we can hear Karen's thoughts. So, the question, really, the open question, whoever wants to sort of join in first is, what was it, what key points, what key action planning points did you take away from your attendance at Learning Technologies 2011. Over to you. About this beforehand, Craig, I don't think I'll pitch in first because obviously as the conference uh, my views are perhaps slightly different from everybody else's, but I would love to hear what everybody else might have taken away as... Uh, <coughs> Laura, you're never shy of a word, are you? Me, I'm never shy of a word, no. And actually, the thing, one thing that I've written down is um, the thing that I took away from the entire event was really the importance of conversation. Um, Charles Jennings put a tweet out after the event saying how one of the trends that he saw was the shift from course to conversation. Obviously, social media has opened up the whole focus around conversation. But for me, it was, I think it was a bit broader than that, was just how critical conversation, asking things and listening was to the whole process. Um, And so that's something that I've been really um, 
looking at it. Why is it that we don't have conversations? And what is it the benefit? What benefits do we get when we have better conversations? Not only with learners and helping learners have conversations with each other, but also as an L and D department, the conversations that we ought to be having back with business. So that for me, um, I think that was the overwhelming theme that came through learning technologies. So I thought actually that's one area that, as you say, Don, I'm never short for a word or two. That I thought. How can we stimulate more conversation? So that's that's the thing I've been focusing on recently. Well, that brings up a really interesting point because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that social media was a really big part of it. But like you just said, it was broadened out to a much bigger sort of theme of that conversation. But it does go back to you know kind of the finite. Uh, purpose for for how e-learning is most accepted for a user, doesn't it? Which is by telling a story, and you know Andy Jones of Thomson Reuters gave a presentation on that very theme, as is about the importance of the story and getting getting the story across. If you tell things within the theme of of a way that people can most relate to it, that's that's really important, and it's really important for their retention, and they want to understand more, and they want to hear more. So that's all really good. But then I think social media has had a huge leap to play in that because suddenly there's this interactive portion where you can actually have conversations within the e-learning or ex, you know, without the e-learning. So you have the ability to engage more with the business, and you have the ability to engage more with the with the students. Don't you think, Christy? When you say e-learning, are we, are we talking? traditional what most people would class as traditional self-paced click next type e-learning or are we talking about e-learning as a as a holistic measure including videos and and what we're doing now and, and so on and so forth i think it should be of course more holistic because there's no way to engage a person with the with the you know click here kind of mentality yeah. and and you can't tell a story with that mentality so if you if you think about the comp, the art of conversation you know the first caveman taught the second caveman how to make fire right <laughs> so and he probably did that by demonstration and you yeah. cannot demonstrate with a click next button so i think that it is all about about the art of conversation i think technology took that away from us a long time ago like 10 years ago we all became you know solitary computer workers but now because of the leaps forward made in technology we can engage on a different level with one another yeah i guess that's an interesting perspective in the fact that, that, that sort of the first generation of, of you know web one as such it, it did it was very much a push of information you either chose to push information or you chose to listen or read that information there was no actual ability to engage as you said in a real in a relatively real time realistic conversation obviously with the advent of the tools that are available now that's far more easily done but have we have we as industry have we as corporates have we as human beings kind of gotten into that rut whereby we're expecting to push information or receive information i think it's all i think it's all changing i mean hi this is kate by the way um but one of the things following on from the conversation thread is one of the resources for me that I found most useful is actually the post event um, chat, kind of be it online, be it blog entries, be it resources in the learning and skills group. Um, as a vendor, it's always a very busy time for me at the show. So I tend to get to a few conference sessions and a few of the <coughs> workshop seminars downstairs. Um, but it's absolutely great to be able to catch up with not only what happened at those sessions, but also what everybody else thought of them. And I've almost found that as valuable as my experience at the show. 
So that kind of continuation, I think, is interesting as well. Did you find? Did you find, Kate? You said that you weren't, you know, obviously being tied up on the vendor stand, which is what you're there for, may preclude you from physically <coughs> participating in the channel itself. But actually, did you find the back channel that was taking place allowed you to participate in that conversation to a greater degree? Massively, because what I'm there for is to have conversations with visitors. Um, but what I found I could do is still participate in between those conversations, as you say, in the back channel. So, I mean, I was tweeting back and forth with Steve Wheeler at one point, and that's fantastic. I mean, how, how often do you get the chance to do that, especially when you're not even at the conference, when you're downstairs? But that just is just the way that things have gone. And as a learning technologies event, you know, it's very fitting that I was able to do that. I asked that question because we've just been joined. I can just see that Karen's uh, Karen's avatar, Karen's profile has popped up. Hi, Karen. Hi there. Sorry about that. I couldn't find people. Here we are. <laughs> we've only just started. We didn't start at Bang on 10. We probably started about 10 minutes ago or so. And we've just, the opening question was, what was it that you personally took away <clears throat> as an action planning point, something that you were going to go and do or research or something that you're going to implement as a result of what you discovered or, or participated in at Learning Technologies 2011. And people are just kind of, you know, it's just sparked a conversation between us in relation to that. Um, well, actually, I, I'm hoping at some point that Don and I can get together and have a discussion about what we could do for next year. Um, so I don't want to preempt that too much about sort of ideas that we could possibly have. But I think one of the things that I've and, and it's not really a sphere of influence that I have a great deal of, of, of um, clout in, is to find ways to connect between what the vendors are seeing and doing and hearing downstairs um, and maybe do something about breaking down that wall a little bit. Um, you know, the, the feedback that a lot of people were making about um, the disconnect between the messages being spoken downstairs and the messages spoken upstairs. Um, I know it doesn't worry Don too much because you obviously do have a more uh, you know, sort of early adopters and innovators more upstairs um, and, the, and the market tends to follow a couple of steps behind um, so it's, it's not, a, it's not a, an overbearing issue but it, it is something that I would like to be able to discuss on the ways that we can potentially address that. I think it's a pretty good point, Karen. Um, can, I, can I pitch you Great. Please do, Don. Yeah, please. And I, somebody's typing in the background. It's quite noisy. Yeah, I'm picking up there too. So, Craig, you, you want to mute yourself um, while I... Oh, well, <coughs> might might um, be a better quality um, podcast at the end. Um, my, my reaction to pick up on Kyron's point about uh, early adopters and so on, there was a lot of talk uh, after the conference this year and last year about the difference between the stairs different to what's happening downstairs. As Karen says, I'm not terribly worried about that being a reflection of some ghastly truth in disconnect in what we do, but I do think it reflects the reality of how the learning technologies field operates. I do think that, as Karen said, quite rightly upstairs, according to the classic the adoption early adoption. Downstairs, we've got the early, early, late. And that's quite natural, it's the way it should be. 
vendors are not going to pitch and take a punt dangerously new technologies that might not be adopted. There's some great new stuff that the adoption. We also sometimes feature stuff that doesn't early adoption. So I think it's that gap should exist. I I certainly is to try to make that more explicit. Let's let's not have some sort of rank wrong. I don't think they have. Let's have an open discussion about the fact that well actually there's two different communities here which overlap and we both have something to offer the other. Um, that's that's on the, the high level. Um, like, sorry, somebody off there. Go ahead. So, sorry, Don. Um, it's just I was going to pick up on that because Kathy Moore had a really great point, and she actually said that the buyers need to take some responsibility for not pushing the boundaries. So whether or not that's because they're um, they're worried about what their organisations might think or. Um, whether or not that they're particularly not comfortable with some of the technologies or some of the developments that are happening. She actually made the point that the buyers actually have to take some responsibility. It's not all to do with the vendors. And I thought that was really interesting because there is a lot of talk about this disconnect, but it is obviously the buyers, the the L&D community, who are the common thread between the conference and, and the exhibition. Absolutely. Um, so that stood out to me. Um, from my perspective, it's Laura here, Karen, hi. hi. Um, I actually, one of the action points, I know this is podcast, it's about actions that we took away. When I was looking at the back chat on that, um, one of the actions that I took away was to actually pick up the phone and ring a number of people that I knew um, were actually in the conference. And what was really interesting was I was saying, yes, you know, we wanted to go, we wanted to be inspired. And, you know, Don and you and I, we were, we were downstairs at a debate at one point as well. And there was still that sense that the, the, the people downstairs, they wanted to be inspired. But both people upstairs and downstairs actually were struggling to actually take the things that were inspiring them back and being able to sell them into their organisation. So, um, yeah, just reiterating, Kate, on what you were saying about Cathy's post, um, you know, there is a, there was a there was a real sense of people downstairs and upstairs wanting to move forward, but being held back, being held back by they perhaps from their business or, or from the fact that they aren't, aren't able to sell in these new ideas themselves. Um, so I think, you know, that action that I took away was, was really quite uh, revealing for me, is that, that we are all a little bit um, held back from taking action on the things that we really do want to, to push forward. So I think picking up on that as well, I mean, that is certainly an area, and those of us who've been incumbents in an organisation know that struggle all too well. Um, but going back to, to Kate's point as well, to an extent, I think sometimes the buyers don't know what they don't know. So it's a little bit difficult to put um, the onus too much on them because they can't be pushing to buy or pushing the vendors to sell that they don't know exists, that they don't know is out there, that they don't know is being discussed by the thought leaders and the innovators and the early adopters. If they don't know it exists, they can't uh, put pressure on you know, the whole client of them. So there's an, there's an element of that as well. Yeah. That was actually my learning point, Karen, actually, that I, I took away from that, is how can I, as somebody who communicates with the buyers, how can I encourage them 
to look at some of the more new and exciting things that are going on and how can we as a vendor kind of facilitate that. Um, I've actually written a note with a bit of a rice bar next to it, which is not charge a fortune for a start. Um, yeah. Some of these things can be terribly expensive, obviously. Um, but that's something that I have been thinking about is how to communicate these things, um, yeah. you know, and, and help them. As you say, they don't know what they don't know. So how, how can we help communicate that? without necessarily it being a sales pitch. Yeah. Lillian, well, what's your perspective? I wanted to discuss with Don, which we obviously will pick up on at some point. Um, I think there are things that we can do. Lily, I'm, um, just, um, I just, I'm just conscious that most people in this podcast know one another from, you know, from around the circuit. Um, because we're working corporates, we're working businesses, where vendor or vendors that work with businesses, um, and I wasn't too sure whether people actually knew Lillian, who and, and Lillian's um, a lady that I've been communicating with online for some months now that I've met through um, through James Clay. So I just wanted to sort of give Lillian the opportunity to introduce herself and explain what she does in a little bit more depth and how that perhaps fits into what we're talking about, but from maybe a different perspective, Lillian. Yeah, I, I work mostly in further education, uh, and it's quite interesting how the two worlds don't collide when they should. And the whole point is that vocational education is educating people to go into the workplaces that, like, like you know, Urenco and, and other, other organizations being represented here. Um, and yet the kind of vendors that work in our market don't necessarily work in the same market as the uh, private sector. Um, so it was, it was quite interesting. I've, I've always uh, tried to attend a commercial uh, learning technologies event apart from um, attending ones that are kind of very education based um, because it's quite useful to pick up ideas. Now, I didn't actually go to the um, speaker events. Um, I was too tight to pay, but that's that's working for their education for you. Um, and I'd already paid to go to uh, Learning Without Frontiers. So I wandered around the vendor stands, um, and it was interesting to note, I think I agree with everyone, there's a very, you get very much a sense of vendors are still pushing out things from the 20th century. They're still struggling to keep up with the kind of social media um, trends that we're experiencing in our day-to-day -day lives and also in, in the business world. Um, I think the the organizations that are most successful or certainly the ones that caught my eye were the ones that were very progressive, um, not straight out of a box. They didn't have the words exciting, engaging, inspirational, and then a subtext <laughs> of Moodle at the bottom because all of them had the same thing. You know, they had all this all these buzzwords but there was no buzz so i found myself wandering through the vendor stands and only stopping and really having deep conversations with two um so it, yeah it's quite interesting that um how it is such a generic thing that's being sold at a learning technologies event this kind of system to um push people through training and development um and it's very hard for the vendors to really stand out if they don't engage with the audience. Lillian, they, they, I mean, I won't ask you to sort of name unless you want to the vendors that you stopped and, and spoke to. But what I would be interested in, did you stop and speak to those vendors because they were different or because they were different 
and you and they were appealing to the FE sector that you work in. Uh, no, I I was you know because um, I support um, I, I work for one of those vendors you know as a consultant as well. So obviously I did stop to talk to them. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't counting them. Um, uh, I I was just wandering around and literally letting anything that caught my eye catch my eye. Um, and I think you, it's very hard to stand out in a vendor kind of exhibition like that um, because everyone, like I say, puts the same stuff on the boards and tries to attract your attention in, in, in one particular way. Now, the, the one vendor that was very quiet but that I stopped to talk to that I was very pleased I did was called Lightbox Education. They are part of RM originally. And very, very simply, what they had done in a very old-fashioned way, they had quite a blank wall. But under uh, above that, they had a big banner that said, Friends We've Made Today. And it was just stick-it notes with people's ah, yes. names or comments. And that, it, to me, that felt a bit like what we do on Twitter or what we do on, you know, text walls or, or wall wisher and stuff like that. It was an attempt to kind of, engage with the audience it's kind of like fill in the blank here and they didn't have anything else that shouted out there weren't like huge posters anything they obviously had a a, a monitor to kind of show off what they do um and that was enough to pull me in it wasn't the expensive stands and the suits that pulled me in and the glossy brochures it was just the fact that they were wanting to engage you know with people passing by and that's the main thing really um that make you stop. Uh, so I don't know. Sometimes it's just the fact that you have to have an idea in the first place and make it stand out. Uh, just pushing a product isn't very. It's not very easy to do in a in a crowded environment like that. What do you guys think? I was. I it, you know, it, it is a little bit. If you think of like going to a market, if you if every stand it's a market, if every market stall has got a barker standing next to it, shouting, you know, roll up, roll yeah. up, come and buy our whatever it is. Yeah. Um, eventually, it all just becomes noise, and it becomes very difficult to pick out just the one. Um, so, yeah, they, it is it is important that they that a vendor, and I'm sure all the vendors do sit down and think, what can we do that's going to make us stand out, that's going to make the many people coming to the, to the um, exhibition want to come and engage with us and talk to us. I'm sure they plan that. I'm sure they sit down. But it goes in waves. And it almost seems as if every year um, a, 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 a whole bunch of the vendors hit on the same idea. Let's <laughs> do X And then they're all doing X thing. Um, and so, as you say, you know, when everybody's special, nobody's special. We can't, of course, the reason why the vendors will hit on the wave is because, guess what? And I speak as someone who's been in the vendor community in the past. That's sell. So, you know, the reason why you're trying to sell something is because you know that there is a market for it out there. Yeah, yeah. We found, we found this. I mean, I, I've previously, it's, it's Kate here. I've previously been on on much bigger stands than I was this year. This year was the first time that the Red Tray's been at Learning Technologies, um, and I have to say I was a little bit concerned about the the position and the size of my stand. There was a, a slight dent my ego, perhaps. Um, <laughs> But because we were talking about, <laughs> um, 
I, I did book late, unfortunately, but um, I, I, I found that because we were talking about something that was a little bit different, um, we actually got a, hu a huge amount of interest, and we were talking about sort of virtual classrooms and, and the way that we're approaching those, and whilst that's not particularly radical, um, it, it wasn't quite the same as, as what everybody else was talking about, so I, 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 think it, I do think it's interesting. We got a, lot of, a lot of people are still very wary about technologies like Skype and, and virtual classrooms. So to actually just get people to have a go, um, you know, I think we sort of converted a few a few cynics that day or, or showed people, you know, kind of what, what they can do. So, you know, just to talk about something, as Lillian said, that is slightly different, um, you, you know, does, does make a difference. But I think, sorry, this is Christy, I was just going to say, it was so interesting what Lillian said about, about the thing that attracted her to that one particular stand, because actually, if you think about what she was most specifically attracted to, it was the personal touch, it was yeah. that, sort of, that sort of intimacy that the, um, that, that Lightbox had on their stand with that particular uh, wall of well-wishers or people that they've met or, or whatever. What a great idea to make things yeah. more, more specifically... It's one-on-one -on -one as opposed to one-to-many. And also it's about, at the end of the day, if you're a vendor, you want to make the client matter. So they managed to communicate that very effectively with just a blank wall for me or anyone else passing by to fill. And that was the difference, I guess, where, and that's the difference between a lot of kind of um, uh, VLEs or MLEs out there as well versus what we're talking about. What a lot of people were selling were systems that were very teacher-led, if you like, training-led. And what what we're, what we started this um, podcast talking about is how we love social media, how we can reflect after the event. It gives us the freedom to look at other stuff and reflect, and 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 all the iteration of that reflection is really helping us. And yet a lot of the VLEs that are being, um, the learning systems that are being uh, sold don't have that process as part of the package. They're very much more competency-led or tick box-led or, or, or systems-led rather than learner-led. You know, what, what do people think about the state of the kind of technologies that are supporting um, what, uh, if I can come then, I, I would echo Cathy's point. You talk about the systems that are being sold. I would say they're the systems that are being bought. Mm. It's not just a matter of what people have got to sell. You know, I, when I was a director at a software company, believe me, we loved being innovative. We loved going where people wanted to go. It was exciting. Mm. But you can't dedicate production time, research time, to stuff that isn't going to sell because that way you end up not being able to pay the resource pay your payroll at the end of the month yeah i agree so to, okay. you've got some the... buy so sorry so, david wilson sorry john so david wilson talked in his session about learning ecosystems mm. and mm. and that it, it's not a learning point per se but it really really jumped out at me as uh, and it's a phrase that i've just been chewing over and over and it, it just linked in with what Lillian was saying about how do we progress those and that that description of a, of the learning ecosystem just really stood out to me I mean I think things like learning management systems the name is not very exciting it kind of says authoritarian big brother so that kind of description and that that um, way of thinking about getting the social element into those systems 
uh, really stood out to me. So as I say, it's not a learning point, but it's definitely something that I took back to to my organisation to kind of talk about and think about, and you know, for the future and the development of our of our systems. I, I think everybody that, that, sorry, Craig. <laughs> I asked everybody what their learning point was, and, and people have come out, and you know, people have given their responses either as something a personal learning point that they've taken away something that they can manage as a vin as a vendor or as a consultant and i just thought i would throw my two pennies in I, there were lots of learning points that i came away with and, and i've blogged about those and, and to to steal a phrase that lillian will be familiar with i'll put those in the show notes um, but what i uh for me there was the whole two days and everything that happened before it and everything that's happened in the back channel since it it's not a learning point as such it's a cementing point to, to coin a phrase and you know people will be aware of the culture and the organization in in which i operate and for me it was a, a fantastic opportunity to immerse myself in people who get it and uh, people who are who are innovative people who are thinking ahead people who perhaps they're not even thinking ahead but people who are, who are operating in today's markets as best as they possibly can be, demonstrating the best practice that they possibly can be. And it was just a brilliant way to go away, recharge those batteries and to come away thinking, no, what I am striving for, what I am trying to achieve, that the, the push that I am trying to, to generate is the right thing to be doing. And I have to say that everybody that I met during those two days, including the, the five avatars, six avatars that I can see staring back at me here, <laughs> so, so thank you to all of you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> but, the, but the, that is supposed to be what these things are, are you know, they're very, their very goal, right, is to inspire, to, some, in some cases, educate. You can almost take the two together, inspiration, education, and, and to enable conversation with people that otherwise you wouldn't be able to, to meet on a, on a regular basis. So it's fantastic yeah. to have those types of events where we can see really interesting uh, case studies of, of people who have had these challenges, people who have faced them, and people who have won over top of them. I mean, I think I, one of those sessions that stood out for me was the... Um, was the extremely enthusiastic uh, lady from British Airways who talked about their e-learning system that they had rolled out for their um, medical training that they had to take before actually going for a week-long training session. And, um, you know, 60 hours of, of training people electronically on how to make sure that, you know, where's the stomach in the body, you know, for people who have just, you know, have no medical training. So actually where anatomically is everything located to, you know, how to save someone's life on an aircraft, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing stuff to be delivering via e-learning if you think about it. The, the next question I want to ask is we've talked about what we'd like to be doing. We've talked about our goals, the, the action planning points that we've taken away, but Every single one of us, and I count myself in that most definitely, we do that, unfortunately, have to live in the real world. So my next question is, what challenges do you anticipate with trying to achieve those goals that you took away? Or what challenges are you already facing with trying to achieve those goals that you took away? Mine is just time at the moment. Um, I'm, just, I'm just maxed out. So whilst I have investigated the world of QR codes, um, and, uh, and and put some um, ideas down about some mobile learning that we're that we're looking at, um, and done a bit of work around some internal communications, which I 
again, I took away as a learning point to actually communicate some of the stuff that's going on in the world to the rest of Redtray. Um, I am I am very busy, so that's my major challenge is, is when to fit it all in. Yeah, I would I would say that I um, would agree with the time issue, but I think one of the challenges uh, that I've seen by as they going around talking to people and say what why is it that we're not doing some of these things even though it makes complete common sense is also how to make it easy for people how do you make it easier how do you create some shortcuts how do you create an opportunity where you can just try something out Craig I know you're brilliant at, at trying things out in your organization but a, a lot of people actually don't um, don't necessarily see how they can just try one thing that's different um, so that's one of the things uh, that uh, we're you know people people including ourselves we don't like change um, and to actually put the effort into doing something different um, is is actually something that's quite a big challenge so we've been just been looking at how can we make it slightly easier um, for people to actually do that just giving a couple of simple things that you can do in your organization today or tomorrow um, and I think that's the big challenge for us thank you, thank you. I'm in a slightly odd position at the moment, um, so my my input is kind of hypothetical. But one of the things I have found in the past, when you go to one of these conferences and you come away all infused with all the ideas, and and of course as you're watching and as you're looking, you're thinking of practical situations back in your own day job where this can be used. Um, and you go back and it's it's. Exactly as you've described, Craig, you're in amongst all these people who totally get what it is that you do and get what it is that you're trying to do and speak encouragement into your life. And then you go back into a place and it's like a bucket of cold water and we're surrounded by people who roll their eyes when we start talking about this stuff. And I think it's that, it's overcoming that eye roller mentality of the people who actually hold the budget in a lot of cases or who make the decisions or who who are the gatekeepers of no, um, like, what is, what, what is it that somebody called the IT department, the innovation something or the other prevention department? Innovation yeah. prevention department, IPD. That's the one. It's overcoming that resistance. You know, you go back, you can, you, you can see it. I can see how this can be done. It's so easy. All we have to do is, and you walk back into your organization and somebody just throws that bucket of cold water in your face and says, you know, really, really, and just rolls their eyes at you. And that is very difficult to overcome. I think one of the things, um, Karen, that actually struck me when Lillian was speaking earlier, um, when she was talking about going around, Lillian was talking about going around the, um, the exhibition and saying there's a lot of buzzwords with no buzz yeah. and I think one of the challenges I think that we have coming back in Karen is the fact that we are surrounded we are buzzed up because we understand the language of each other when we yeah. go to an event like this but when we go back we forget to go back with a white wall with the post-it note saying I want a conversation with you yeah. I want to have a conversation with about your the things that are important to you rather than the things that are important to us and I think that's one of the challenges that we have about engaging learners, engaging stakeholders, is the fact that you know we do understand this, but we haven't got the language to articulate it 
back into business, into business yes. to be able to connect with them so that they can capture our enthusiasm and capture where it is that we can help them go with mm -hmm. what with with their particular situation and I think things like learning technologies are great for us because they encourage us that we're all on the right track but they are they are not helping us become bilingual in fact they kind of perhaps sometimes even give us more of a even more of a technical language to speak when we go back into business rather than a business language yeah no you're right you're right um i i absolutely um agree that there's this awful feeling that well you do this conference once a year and then well what else is there that's why i'm introduced lsg in june and why i'm doing other events throughout the year I would cut together, Craig, if I may, my personal objectives coming out of this with my, the objections which I see, uh, or the obstacles which I see. The clear objective that I've got coming out of this is to build and maintain the conversation which has started, and that's part of, personally, my commitment to building the learning and development profession in this country and beyond. And so if I can take up Lillian and Laura's point just now, I think it's vital to maintain the buzz, but I also want to supply some of the grit. It's not just enough to have your wheels spinning. We need to get some grit under the wheels, get some grip and move forward. And of course, the stumbling block or the challenge that I have to help everybody move forward is, like everybody else, lack of time, lack of my time to get everything done. And the fact that nobody else really has a great deal of time to do their day job and everything else that this requires. So how will we get over that? Well, I'm just going to keep pushing. Um, I've discovered that the best way of doing this is to do it with everybody else. My mm. aim is to just keep pushing on this, to keep uh, recruiting allies like yourself, Craig, Christy, Karen, Lillian, Kate, Laura, everyone on the call, and to work with everybody to try to maintain that buzz going forward. It's easy to get excited by what we do in January. The difficult bit, and where you've been so good, Craig, is helping us maintain our focus on doing one or two things that will make a difference in the rest of the year. Yeah, just chipping away at... Exactly. But it's not just... I mean, I think we have to be really careful to to not think about just the buzz, right? It's, the, it's, it's actually the buzz enables the message, or the buzz creates yes. the message, or the message creates the buzz, right? So... So it's really important to come away with with top themes. And I think this is where the conversation with business falls down, right? Because what you have is you come back and you, you talk about interactive or engaging or or whatever it might be. And let's put social media in and let's, you know, let's actually ask our users and our students what they want from us. And and the business unit is like, hang on, how's that going to help us achieve our goals as a business? Because yeah. at the end of the day, business is business and they are looking to make money. So you have to actually create or take take the high level message back as opposed to the buzzwords, right? So you've got situations where you can say, well, if we can do, if we can, you know, if we can engage social media, then we'll have better feedback during the course of production and during the course of delivery. And then we can actually make sure our, our students retain more information. So that's going to get them more interested than hearing interactive and engaging. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a matter of, of, of forming things within that business speak that will actually help you and you know talking getting all this inspiration and ideas about about the buzz is fantastic but you really need a good you know the the, the vendors themselves need to be able to help 
actually act as consultants to say, you know, let's be careful about what you're going to go back to your business unit with. Let's think about the goals and the metrics that they want to achieve and to deliver. So I think that that vendor sort of consultation is critical. And I'd just like to say, I think it's down to the vendors and also the people in the community as well to be consultants and to develop that language you're talking about and that Laura's talking about. And when I say supplying the grit, I think that's what I mean, providing something that actually enables us to get going rather than just being enthusiastic about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things that we're trying to do it towards maturity is to provide some of that grit through the through the research that isn't connected directly with vendors, that isn't is directly looking at what is it that works back in business, so that we can circulate that back, so that other people can say, okay, here is something that we can actually go for. Here is some language. Here are some examples. Here are some statistics. If we do this, it will actually deliver improved results and improved take up. Um, but again, the research thing is completely connected with everything that Don's been saying about us connecting together as a community, um, so as providers and also as buyers, to say, okay, we need this to be able to deliver against its promise. So how can we work together? How can we con- informally benchmark? How can we form- informally benchmark um, together to actually push that forward? I think, though, what you've just said there, I mean, I-, I hold my hands up and I've done it many times and I'll continue to do it. I get L and D. I don't necessarily get the business world, and I'm and I'm trying extremely hard to be able to 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 knit the two together to be able to achieve what you know what I know my organisation needs to achieve, even if it doesn't realise it yet. And I have to say that the Towards Maturity site and the Benchmark Centre have have enabled me, has given me tools and tips and language to help me try and take that step forward with, with becoming bilingual as someone said earlier on in the Skype conversation so anybody that's in the call that hasn't yet had the chance I think to have a look at the maturity website or the benchmark center absolutely worth your investment in time most definitely Right, and obviously the conversations that we're having uh, now actually then help us say, okay, what else needs to go in there? What else needs to go in there to help people have better conversations and better outcomes as well? Folks, thank you ever so much for your time uh, this morning. Really appreciate the conversations that have taken place. Hope it's not the last time that we have this conversation and who knows, maybe some of you will go off and have similar conversations in other groups. Thank you very much for your time.